This is Digitized Transmission Radio. This week, I chatted with Towley DJ. He's a DJ, producer and streamer living in Plymouth, but grew up in Bristol. We chatted around the music he's been making, where he's been this summer, as well as his journey from playing bass in a funk band to being a DJ. Towley has been a massive help to me in my own Twitch journey, so it was great to talk to him about how it all started with the Global Funk Fam as well. Hope you enjoy. And do remember, for the full show, you need to listen through Mixcloud. Our Mixcloud is mixcloud.com forward slash digitize MCR. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Yeah, really good. Yeah, good yeah. to be Good to be here. <laughs> yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. It is massively appreciated, as always. Please do correct me if I'm wrong. Our first time meeting is when you were DJing in the car on the way to Dutty Moonshine in Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 would have been it. Yeah, Dave's Dave's car. I hooked up my Serato via Bluetooth. And I was DJing using a little trackpad, playing some dirty old school breaks on the way to Liverpool. That was a really fun night. And uh, yeah, I, I I fell asleep. <laughs> you did actually. I think we lost you for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave's got uh, got a picture of me. Of course, when we say Dave, we mean Quack Tactics. So I believe was your first guest. He was indeed. That episode is airing on Thursday, so that's exciting. Yeah, I met I. I I've met some random Irish bloke at the bar and he was buying me tequila and then there's a gap. I remember seeing Dutty. I remember seeing Cohen. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was Cohen sound as well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good night. Um, but yeah, then, then Dave having to sort of bundle me into the back of the car. I, yeah, yeah. It's not, not great. <laughs> I, th- I think as well, we we took a wrong turn and had to go all the way through the Wirral as well, through like Birkenhead. Yeah. So I think it was like two and a half hours to get home. It was a bit mental. Yeah, luckily I remember I'd booked like a good couple of days off work. Obviously I'm, I'm, I'm in Plymouth, so going up to Manchester and Liverpool is quite a long journey, even when you're not <laughs> drinking so much tequila, you fall asleep in front of a, in front of a, <laughs> a quite a loud sound system. Yeah. Um, yeah, luckily I got to recover on on his living room floor for a couple of days after that. Good old Dave. Good old Dave. So, Cohen Sound, Dutty Moonshine. What what is kind of your music for people who don't know you? Well, I'm fairly multi-genre. Historically, I've been kind of hip hop and funk DJ, but over the last maybe eighteen months, I've just got properly back into drum bass. I'd done a little bit of production before, but I got really into it over. Over lockdown, and I was sort of trying to find my sound. I started making a drum bass track, and it was ten times good as anything else I'd made. So since then, all I've done is make drum bass, and because of that, I'm listening to loads of it and playing loads of it as well. But I still still played the odd garage set, the odd um, like mid tempo funk set. I played a reggae set. Uh, well, I played a reggae set. Um, I, I think maybe the most hipster thing I've done ever few weeks ago playing a vine lonely reggae set at a vegan <laughs> restaurant <laughs> i think you've just won hipster awards I yeah think. yeah definitely yeah uh we'll, we'll send something in the post for most hipster <laughs> dj set uh on the show so far a wide range of music and i think a wide range of formats um 
I guess we, we'll get into Twitch and the Ghetto Funk fan because you kind of just circled on that. Um, so t- talk, us, talk us through what you've been doing with Twitch, the Ghetto Funk fam, and how all that came about. Yeah, so the Global Funk fam was a, as, as an international community of DJs that was born out of, out of the lockdowns. I, I started streaming a little bit right at the start of the first lockdown on Facebook because obviously there's no gigs to play or to go to. And, you know, quite a lot of time on my hands. So I was doing, I was doing a lot of DJing. And yeah, I saw, I saw some people were doing it on Facebook. And I thought, oh, great, I'll get, get involved with that. But that was never meant to be anything serious. Just, uh, I, I, I think a couple of them were even from my personal page just to play some music and have a chat with people. Yeah, they ended up doing, um, I ended up getting a much bigger audience than I was expecting, really. It was sort of up to 50-odd people at a time on them, which is really cool. Uh, and I know a few other DJs were, were figuring out how to stream and what platform was best to stream on. So it was all very sort of new, uncharted territory. But then, uh, yeah, I got, I got an invitation to a Facebook group from, uh, from Crash Party. Don't know who he is. Check him out. He releases great music. Just put out a pure Big Beat album, which is great. But yeah, so I got invited to this Facebook group, and it was it. It started off as the Streaming Funk Fam, and it was DJ Data, Crash Party, uh, and Jack from Hong Kong Ping Pong, who's a really um, really key person in getting all of this off the ground. They just started on Twitch, so I, and then then I started as well. And we were doing um, doing raid trains. So if not been on Twitch, that's where you can send all of your viewers to a new person. So it's a really good way to discover new artists or uh, I, Twitch was originally set up for gaming streams. But yeah, it translated really well to music. Um, and then, yeah, some sort of between us, we, we started, um, started doing like a regular stream schedule. I was, I was always playing on a Saturday uh, straight after Captain Flatcap, which was great. Um, it's a really nice way to spend a spend a Saturday actually, sort of stream for a couple of hours and then uh watch F1 qualifying if it was on. That was like my perfect Saturday. But yeah, so we we between us, you know, those those uh those those a really broad fan base essentially, because it was it was a lot of DJs from from various different places. With with very distinct sets of fans, but they all start combining into one, uh, and that's when uh, yeah, uh, it sort of became the global funk fam because there was international artists and international audiences, and there was a, a Discord set up which was genuinely like the center of my social life for a lot of the lockdowns. When things started getting a bit more organized, we could have these these huge rate trained days essentially. And there was there was sort of upwards of 20 artists playing. Some of these were people like, you know, crafty cuts and really, really big people. We brought in a huge crowd. And yeah, it was just like having a little festival. Um just with uh, everyone in different rooms. Um and yeah, the, I mean the great thing about it really it was because it was that social aspect of it. Uh not just playing, like being in other people's chats. And I um I met I met loads of people uh and a lot of whom i've i've met in real life and now now go to festivals and that with even even uh some friends of mine they had um they had a a, a wedding at, at 
at home um, during during the lockdown, and I I ended up getting to play their wedding remotely, which was really cool. We had little raid train in the lead up to it, um, and then yeah, uh, it wasn't it wasn't just like our crew. There was there was um, what started off as the Pittsburgh Funk Fam, uh, run by DJ Macula, which is now Funk Lectic, which was uh, more well originally it was it was more American because um, he's. Uh, he's American and like a lot of his, uh, the artists that he knew were American and they would do similar raid trains. Um, but then there was a lot of overlaps. So I, I've played some of their raid trains. He's certainly played a lot of the global funk fam stuff. And there's been loads more of those, those sorts of international connections made. We still stream now. Um, I'm still in, involved with regular, regular raid trains. I play every Thursday uh, from six, seven o'clock. And that's that's still with with all the original crew. So that's um, that's Hong Kong Ping Pong, uh, Crash Party, DJ Candyman, all people who have been there since since the very beginning. So yeah, it's still it's really cool. Uh, still, it's really cool community, and a lot of it is a lot more um, based on real life meetups. We uh, we always sort of see people at festivals. There's you know. The, always good crowds. I was in Bristol recently, I see Charlie Tina, and I saw loads of the, the Global Funk fan people. So yeah, it's just been this, this amazing thing born out of a really terrible situation, really. I'm so glad that it's gone like real life. I see like some of Colonel MC's pictures. I think there was a meetup near him and it's just like heartwarming, isn't it? It's like, it's, it's why, why we're all together in this. I am going to circle back to your mention of F1 and it might yeah. be slightly in the, early in the podcast and you know we may lose some listeners because we'll, we'll go into F1 but are you enjoying this year? Who do you support? Uh, I'm a big Lando Norris fan. Big Lando fan. Yeah so uh, he uh, I'm, so I'm from Bristol I'm a Bristol City fan in the football and we we've claimed him as a Bristol City fan because he he grew up in Bristol. He was once asked in an interview which football team do you support, and he really really non-committally went, "Oh, I guess maybe it would be Bristol City." But out of that, we've all been like, "Oh yeah, he's a massive City fan. He's he's you know well into the club." Uh, it's not true, but <laughs> no, I, th- I <laughs> but think that sounds quite true. There, I think yeah, <laughs> confirm Lando Norris is a Bristol City fan. But the reason I got into it really was because I I got the uh, F one game, okay, and I got yeah, really yeah. really into making a team. And I'd always quite liked it, but I'd probably only watched two or three races a season. I didn't really get what was going on. But because I got so into the my team thing on the game, I sort of started to understand what was actually happening. Yeah, like when they say tire offset, it's like, oh, I actually get that. And it's like I used to think, why are they doing pit stops? They're just losing times. So and now I'm like, oh no, new tires equals faster. This season, it's all right. <laughs> Singapore was good. Singapore was very good. Lando, Lando P2. Yeah, somebody else finally won. But um, I know, I'm, I'm, I just try and pretend that Max Verstappen and Red Bull don't exist. And then the battles for P2 are always really, really good. Let, let's get back to the music. You mentioned a reggae set. You've mentioned break sets. You've mentioned playing 45s. Think if not, yep. spoiler tally by small records. Um, yep. What what is kind of your favourite genre to mix? Is it now drum and bass or when I'm playing out, I generally play on CDJs just because I want to, 
you know, taking a USB stick with you is easier yeah. <laughs> than, than anything else. For at pure enjoyment, probably 45s, because it's, they're just, they're just, I don't know, it just seems like a silly format to play on because the records are so light. But you can be really creative with them and you can really like throw throw the tunes about, like if that makes sense. Like, I can I can really cut up a tune really quickly. You know, if I'm playing a hip hop tune, I can I can load up a track and drop a new bass line over the hip hop tune and cut away from that in five seconds and then pull that one back and do all sorts with it, just because the records are so light. Yeah. And admittedly, if I got some seven inch time codes, I could do that as well. Having said that, it's it's just a different way of because I I don't really mix as such. I'm probably only playing two tunes together for like four bars. Yeah. Um, because naturally, when it's on forty five, it's uh, it's usually a shorter edit of a tune. So the intros are really short. You've really got to know your tunes as well because yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't have time. Because I'm not I'm not beat matching. I've you know I've got I'm doing mental maths the whole time. Like I've I've got all the BPMs on the records so i'm going oh that one's 114 that one's 116 i need to move it that much then drop it in on the beat for four bars and then switch to the next tune so it's it's much more um yeah shortcuts and that that sort of thing but it's really good fun when it sounds good it sounds so good but with mix and drum bass the longer format stuff um which i didn't used to enjoy doing um i'm getting a lot more into that cuz yeah it's you you can you can create a whole new track out of out of two out of two songs and you can play them together for like sixty-four bars. And if it sounds good, it sounds great. But that can also sound terrible. <laughs> what what's your opinion on double drops? Is that something you're into or are you uh, one track at a time man or I I don't do a lot of double drops because most of the drum bass I play is really vocal. And I don't like having two vocals playing at the same time. It's it even if they're in key, it never sounds good. The only, I suppose, the only um, the the only uh, exception to that is when it's like a really floaty female vocal and a and a, a male MC. And with that, that that can work quite well. But I think two people singing, and it's two different tracks. It can't really sound good. Yeah, I'll do I'll do the odd one, but it's not it's not really what my sets are about um, when I'm playing drum bass. Okay, okay. So the reason I ask is kind of looking at where drum and bass is at the minute, and kind of well for me, jump up never went away, but uh, no. jump up is as big as it has ever been, and like the likes of HeadX and formats such as TikTok, I I'm starting to struggle now with like everything being double drops and triple drops and i'm here for it but i just hear so many that i'm like am i old now because that is really jarring and everyone else loves this it's oh, what is this all about the blends the blends they're called blends <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um no i mean i i i really love old jump up like the true players stuff uh like brocky and ed solo stuff in yeah i've got i've got a bunch of that on um on 12 inch and I, I play with it quite a bit which is really dodgy sentence out of context you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i love that sort of jump up and i i absolutely love badadan because it's it's like it's deep jump up again 
and it's it's obviously like very loud, very distorted, but it's you know, I don't wanna like criticize genres, um, but yeah. just for me personally, the high pitched jump up stuff just doesn't do anything for me. Um the squeaky Belgian jump up. Yeah, it's 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 you know, it's just not uh I I I love jungle, deep drum bass. Um but yeah, like chasing status stuff, well into it now. <laughs> yeah. And if there's more of that, great. That really, that really like frenetic mixing that people do. Like I saw, I saw Boo down in Cornwall. He's an incredible producer. He's a great DJ. But when you only get sixteen bars of each tune, uh, tune, and admittedly this is hypocritical given how I mix forty fives. I I like quick mixing, but not that quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've I've seen Boo a few times L- lately. Last uh, two weeks ago uh, at, yeah. a, at a free party, which was pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, that sounds good. And I just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I just don't know if I'm his biggest fan. To be perfectly honest, I get it's really appealing for a lot of people. I, I, that's it. Kind of going down the route of the drum and bass that I just don't resonate with. Yeah. And yeah, drum and bass for me is it's a it's a difficult time for me at the minute. So it's interesting to hear that you've kind of come full circle back to it and you're loving it, enjoying it as much as you probably ever have. But that, I mean, that's because, pe- you know, people like like Watch the Ride and Blade Runner and Kings of the Rollers, I always pick out the tunes that are very Blade Runner. I'm, obviously, I'm, I'm just guessing here, but there are tunes where you're like, oh, this is probably more Blade Runner than yeah, the yeah, others. Yeah. And there's tunes where it's more serum than the others and so on and so forth. But I, I just feel like there's this real resurgence of jungle at the moment. And that's, yes. that's really what i'm 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 really getting on board with um and it's not it's not necessarily the jungle in the purest sense but the sort of stuff that blade run is putting out which is it's just a big deep re-space and just really clean percussion and that and that's like it and i love that and that's what i'm trying to make at the moment as well it's just yeah that really that really resonates with me and i feel I'm, you know, because I, I I was away from the scene for ages. Maybe there was always loads of it, but I really feel like there is a lot of it at the moment. Yeah, and people like DJ Hybrids, uh, Dope Ammo, all of the these people are making. They're making a lot of jungle, but if they're making drum bass, it's really jungle inspired as well. Where where did you start off in your DJing journey? <laughs> so I the reason I started DJing was when I was in Bristol. I, I playing in bands and. Uh, even before that, I used to, not super seriously, but I used to do like a bit of acting and that sort of stuff. So I've I've always been quite quite into being on stage. But it was when I moved to Plymouth, my band broke up. And I was like, oh, I kind of miss being on stage, but I don't miss organising other people. So I was like, I kind of, I, I want to do something solo, but I can't sing. And I'm not that good a guitarist. So I was like, oh, I need to do something. So I started DJing. The music I started on, because the only electronic music I knew at the time was uh, Pendulum, yep, uh, The Prodigy, yep, and this really hectic Sheffield bassline stuff. The yeah, a bit of Pendulum, bit a bit of Prodigy, or it was like proper one forty Sheffield bassline. Okay, uh, which was quite a quite an intro to to really being into electronic music. But, like, um, is it like the SpongeBob SquareWave stuff? Yeah, yeah. So like Fat World, SpongeBob SquareWave, um, Course and Bass Hounds, 
God, I can't remember the others, but yeah, really wonky stuff. <laughs> Do you ever revisit uh, that now? Yeah, occasionally I don't play it on stream though. <laughs> I did once and I swear I I lost about 80% of my viewers. <laughs> like, like, we're up for some filth, but this is this is too much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I find that a lot uh, with my drum and bass. Everyone says they like heavy drum and bass and then I really go for it and then suddenly people don't like heavy drum and bass as much <laughs> as they think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you used to play guitar in a band. What sort of music? Uh, well, we were... We were originally a hardcore punk band, and okay. I, I was I was the vocalist for it, and I was doing all the shouty stuff. But then, uh, when my mates came in and started playing saxophone, and overnight we transfor- transformed into a into a funk and soul band. Oh, um, I should do that. Is it's almost <laughs> as big as Coldplay's glow up from depression to EDM. <laughs> okay, yeah, because I I mean when when we were a punk band, we we were just messing about. We went we went doing it seriously but then we got one saxophone player in i started playing bass because our other guitarist the guy who actually ended up being the guitarist for the band was absolutely incredible like one of those musicians who just has some extra talent like there's yeah. just something else about what like me and him could play the same thing and it would sound 10 times good when he did it so i said like, all right cool i'll pick up the bass um but of course it being a funk and soul band Bass is pretty important, and I got, yeah, got yeah, quite yeah. into it. And I was playing, playing a bit of slap bass, a bit, a bit of that sort of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, we got another saxophone player. We got, um, oh, I can't even remember what order people joined in, but we had a really, really good drummer as well, who's really good mates with guitar player. And they would, they would sort of swap because they were both good at guitar and drums. And yeah, we're just sort of surrounded by really, really good musicians. Uh, then we got a really, really good vocalist in. She was, yeah, she was absolutely, like, really, really top vocalist. And then, yeah, we started playing a few gigs. We, I think our first ever gig was to, uh, is it the Fleece in Bristol? Oh, yeah. It's sort of 400 capacity or so. And yeah. uh, it was like a charity gig, so it was actually really well sold out. Um, I don't know if it was full, but it, it, it looked like a lot of people. And then we, yeah, really quickly started playing quite a few gigs. But this was when we were like 17. So I was only in Bristol for another year. So over that over that year, we probably played eight or nine gigs. We headlined a gig at our local pub and all this. And it, it was really, really good fun, but it was really, really short-lived. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, is, is there a chance we're going to see Tally pick up a bass guitar again then? Well, I've got one just there. Boom, there we go. <laughs> it's uh, very, very broken, I think. You could you could be the, the founder of the Ghetto Funk Farm band. Surely <laughs> there's enough talented people in that group. Oh, there's got to be. That, I, that would be the ultimate festival band right there. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, so... You've, it sounds like you've kind of always been a musician. How do you approach making music these days? So the the three tracks, the three track EP I released a few months ago. Uh, the first track, and I found a really good vocal sample, and I was like, I'm going to build something around this. Yeah. And I just kind of had, I had more a mood in my head than a than a full on sound. But I was yeah. like, I want this to be quite chilled. I want it, I, and not too much. You know, no distorted basses right now. I just want a bit of piano, some nice low bass. Um, and then just 
sort of trial and error until it sounded right. But then the second track on it, I said, like, right, I want to make a proper jungle tune. And for that, it was the sounds that was the first thing that I made. So I found the the break that I wanted to use. But I was also, I really want to make some like, in the intro, I want to make some big like ravey, uh, like gated synths. So I started from beat one yeah, and made the track sort of progressively. Whereas the track that I've got coming out, I was like, I want to make like really Reese-y tune. So that one I started on the breakdown and then worked backwards for the intro and forwards for the drop. Yeah. So I've not really got a single approach. Out of interest, if you were to open Ableton now and look at your recent sets, do you want to reel some off for us? It's not going to be that weird because the latest thing I've been working on has been a remix for a friend's band. So yeah. it's very specifically called, the track's called Mind Masher, so it's called Mind Masher Remix. But if we go further back, we've got, <laughs> we've got one called If I Knew You Were Jump Up. <laughs> uh, and that's so so that's gonna be it's gonna be a jump up remix of uh an old old like show tune song right um it's uh if i knew you're coming i'd have baked cake by eileen barton i used to work for a company and one of my clients that i dealt with regularly was greg's and that was their hold music. <laughs> and oh, I have listened to that track for no. hours and hours. And I always thought this would remix so well. So I am very curious to hear that. Well, I started the remix about two years ago and uh, I haven't settled on uh, bass sounds yet. So maybe in another two years or so. Yeah. Um, what would you say has been your best gig looking back? I've I've had a couple of really good ones actually. Um so recently, like this summer's been great. I've I've got to play um some really good festivals. Um but uh at Funk Up the Farm in North Devon, um yeah. I got to play on the main like a primetime main stage slot. Um and obviously like it's a little festival, so main stage is like it's a thousand capacity festival. But um yeah, it was still like main stage at seven PM. Uh, pretty much full house. Everyone absolutely uh, proper dirty drum bass set as well, and people were well up for it. And I played four of my own tunes in it, um, and actually won them. The jungle track I make would never know. Uh, got an insane reaction. It was it was really really cool. I think it was the best reaction of the set, but obviously I was looking out for it more. So some of the yeah. other stuff I was playing might have got got a bigger reaction. But um, I had um, Natty Lou and Lottie Jones on straight after me, and the next men were on before me. Amazing. Um, so that felt like quite a cool cool company to be a part of. In terms of gigs, actually, uh, last year I played with, um, so the Cabarets, who, who I'm doing a remix for, I play with them quite a lot, because they're good friends of mine, really good local band. Um, and so they put, on, they put on their own gigs, and they quite often want to DJ for afterwards, so I quite often do that. Last year, we played uh, at the Barrel House Ballroom in Totnes, and people in Totnes love it. Like, it's sold out in no time. Everyone's there from the very start till the very end. And again, yeah, I was just playing a drum bass set afterwards. Because I used to, like, play chilled... Well, not chilled stuff, but I used used to be like, oh, the band's finished, I'll warm them up a bit before I get really, really heavy. Yeah, but the energy is so high afterwards. You just go straight in with some really heavy drum bass, and everyone loves it. And that was so cool. It was like 
I had to hold on to the decks because the floor was moving so much <laughs> that they would have gone flying. Jesus. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely mental. And I'm I'm doing the exact same gig Saturday the 14th of October. So cool. if it's anything like the last one, it's going to be it's going to be absolutely mental. Cool. So Wibble WBBL. I, I am going to get to the bottom of his naming woes um, when I speak to him. He won't tell you. He won't tell me. We'll see. We'll he, lo- see. he loves. He loves the the mis- mystery. Uh, Does he? I, I went say the mystique and the mystery, and it came out the mystery. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nearly mis- mystery. Um, he he put a really lovely social media post up about actually sometimes when you go to a gig you have an awful time and I think as DJs we should definitely talk about that a bit more so as part of the podcast I I am asking all DJs their worst gig as well as their best gig so what what is the worst one uh worst one I mean I've, I've played plenty of gigs to three people like I used to have some residencies in, in like on the like student strip in Plymouth, and it was just people just don't care about the sort of, about the music you're playing. Like, and I think like audiences like that, they can be so hit and miss. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think when I I should probably preface the question a little bit more, as in it's not just worst gig for like you know people have bad gigs for many reasons it's not like blaming promoters or whatever but i do just think it is important to talk about bad gigs nothing really springs to mind because it's just a, it's just a combination of uh, a lot of little things i've done gigs i've done for money rather than passion and yeah it's just audiences who don't care or it's always funny to laugh at terrible requests and i i can i can remember a few of those um, somebody asking if I was going to play any soul music when I was playing um, Use Me by Bill Withers, which is possibly <laughs> the the most soulful song ever released. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's no, there's no like one that sticks out just because I, I did, I did that, that type of DJing for so long and they were, I was never doing it for fun. Um, so I never, I never took it personally when, when there was a bad crowd because I was just there for money. And you were getting paid for it. I was getting paid. It it didn't really matter to me. Yeah, because obviously, like it's only recently that I've I've been getting booked for um, bigger stuff. So the majority of club gigs I would do, I'd be first on. Yeah, and I again, I wouldn't be playing to a lot of people, but I knew that. Like if I was if I was going to be playing nine till ten p.m. and the headliner was on at one. I I knew that I'd be playing to five people, and and I never I never. Obviously, I would have preferred to be playing late and playing to a bigger crowd, but I was very realistic about the you know this is this is what what the crowd's going to be. I didn't expect any different, and sometimes there was a much bigger crowd, and that was that was always great. Like I remember playing in Taunton once, and I was I was first on. Uh, I was on at let's say ten o'clock, <clears throat> and at ten o one the club was full. Right. And though I I remember those moments because they stood out more. I think it's like as you say, it's it's the levels of DJing, isn't it? Like yeah, if you're doing what you know is going to be maybe something that isn't your music, I think you can just write off the experience and let them all blend into one. And I yeah. think yeah, it's. 
So basically, Tally's advice is, if you know it's going to be a bad gig, get paid, and then you won't care as much. Yeah, pretty much. I'm asking every DJ to uh, ask the next DJ a question. And you kind of answered this question that uh, was submitted previously, which is, what made you want to start DJing? So instead, I will ask you, where does Towly DJ come from? And why are we all towels? When I got my first decks, uh, which are one of those little Newmark Mix Track Pro Tees. Yeah. If you remember those little controllers, they look I like do, something, yeah. something out of an Argos catalog or something. I set set the decks up, set everything up, went and had a shower. I came out and obviously I was really quite excited to be to be playing with with the decks. Um, and I so I used to have quite long hair. So I did. I did the whole towel over the head and towel on the body thing. So I was I was very covered in towels. And I went and started mixing. And my then girlfriend, now wife, was there as well. And she's like, "Oh my god, you're you're a towely DJ." And I was like, "Hmm, that's a good name." <laughs> and obviously the the reference to South Park as well, because Towley's such a great character. And like I sample sample a bunch of South Park quotes in in my live sets. But when I set up my SoundCloud page, I spelt it wrong. <laughs> Towley, the character, has an extra, has another E. Uh, right. So it's T-O-W-E-L-I-E, whereas I'm T-O-W-L-I-E. Yeah. Um, so I didn't realise that for quite a while. <laughs> but I always said, uh, I'd I know I've, I've made it if when you Google my name, it doesn't say, did you mean? And I think we're there now. I think I... I I think it, it, it uh, yeah, it, it now recognises me. <laughs> You're now a verified artist. Yeah. Um, congratulations. Google has approved you. So, what, what would you like to ask our next, next guest? If you could see a back-to-back of any two DJs, and they don't have to still be going, who would it be? That is a great question. And for any listeners, you can tune in at some point and that question will be asked final kind of standard question that i'm asking everyone and if you've listened to the show before you will know my opinions on this tune but since it was released and i think it's 2009 i think it has potentially been played at every rave ever and that tune is mr happy what is your favorite memory of mr happy favorite memory of mr happy oh well, first of all, I absolutely love Mr. Happy. It's great because it's um, it's gone full circle. It was, it was, you know, everyone loved it when it came out because there's no subtlety to it. I think it's just here's a big fat baseline, get on it. Um, and then it got so overplayed that everyone hated it. And then it was, it was funny to like, ironically. And now it's come full circle, and I, I just really like it. Um, so my favorite memory is probably oh, I know. So I know if you've heard Wobbles' version of it, Tequila Happy. I have. Yeah, yes, yeah, real good one. So Unglued played that um, at a rave at a quarry in Cornwall, right? And I heard I heard Tequila coming up, and I was like, "Oh, Wobble, Wobble does give Miss Happy version of this." And I was like, "Wait, he's not. He's not actually going to do it, is he?" So <laughs> I wasn't expecting like, uh, yeah, like Unglued. It's like Hospital Records thing and it's just like really out of place but it's probably the best tune he played 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that'd have to be the the top memory of Mr. Happy. Amazing, uh, amazing. I just love that instantly. As soon as I mention that question, people just have so many memories of Mr. Happy. Is just long live Mr. Happy, is what I say. Well, you know, I used to um, I used to have a points reward on my Twitch channel called Mr. Happy. That is what I spent all of my points on your channel for. I think I've now got about 10 versions of it. Uh, so I should probably bring that back. Because I, I used to do the cuts between a mid-tempo version, the original, and, and the Rico Tubbs Breaks version. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Could you, I, well, I know Wobble wants to do an hour of Mr. Happy set, so... This podcast is a guest mix series, and you are very kindly going to be playing some music for us. What can people expect to hear in your mix? Probably what I was talking about earlier. Some nice deep jungle-inspired drum and bass, but um, a little bit garage as well. I've been getting really into my garage again. Um, yeah. So yeah, little 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 sneaky peek of garage, and then some nice rolling drum bass. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Thank you very much for chatting. Um, the next, I don't know how long your guest mix is going to be, but I guess maybe Hour of Music is going to be Tally DJ Behind the Decks. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. Nice one. Thanks for having me on. If you would like to hear the guest mix that we've just been talking about, please head over to mixcloud.com forward slash digitize MCR.